0: Welcome to a Classical civilization podcast on Homeric heroes and the characteristics they must have in order to be one. The concept of a hero in the Homeric world has absolutely nothing to do with being a morally good person. It's not about whether you are a good person or a bad person. There are no anti-heroes. This has nothing to do with morality. We're going to be going through a list of things that a hero must have in order to be considered a hero, we are going to start with that the heroes must be of noble birth. Every hero we meet will be a lord, prince or king. They will have fathers who are themselves well-known heroes, and that is how this generation of heroes define themselves through the use of patronomic epithets. This is because the Homeric world is a patriarchal society meaning that it really, really matters who your father is. Unless, of course, your mother is a goddess. This is one of the things that makes Achilles so special. Not only is his father Peleus the well-known hero, but his mother is the sea goddess, Thetis. It is important to note that because we are in a patriarchal society, a hero, unfortunately, is never a woman. And in this story, we are very much secondary characters as a gender. Heroes must be mortal. Only mortal or semi-divine men can be heroes. They have their lives to lose and so an ultimate opportunity to prove their glory and achieve Kleos. Gods cannot claim Kleos because they are themselves immortal. They have no need to gla- claim fame because they will live forever. Now what I do like about Homer's version of the Achilles story is that in the Iliad there is never a mention of him being invulnerable So being uh, dipped in the river Styx, with the Achilles' heel, about being semi-divine. That may be because this isn't a later addition to the myth, or simply because it's not relevant to the particular part of Achilles' story that is being told. However, we are often reminded that Achilles is special, and this will be referring to his semi-divine status. Technically, he is not the only semi-divine hero that we will meet, but he's really the only one that matters. He is semi-divine as well as being special in other ways. Heroes attract the attention and sometimes the favour of the gods. The gods only support heroes and to be helped by an immortal being is not a sign of weakness, but is a sign of divine patronage and heroic status. For example, Hector is a hero not only because of other qualities, but because he is favoured by Apollo. Achilles is favoured by his mother Thetis but also by the goddess Athena who seems to have a vested stake in his interest. Both sides have divine assistance and this extends to during battles and even in death. The Greeks aren't favoured more than the Trojans although the Greeks are supposed to be the heroes of the peace. Not only that but not only will gods help During battles they'll also help for more minor things and when we get to the funeral games of Patroclus they will pray to the gods and goddesses so they can win like a foot race or a chariot race or javelin tossing. So they're there for everyday life not just for the big stuff. What's really interesting is how although mortality offends the gods because they themselves are immortal they will help look after bodies in death. When Achilles kills Hector his rage is so enormous that he starts to desecrate and mutilate the body and this goes on for days weeks and so every night after Achilles has desecrated Hector's body Apollo will come during the night and restore Hector's body so when Hector's body is finally given back to the Trojans it's in a perfect condition. However Some mortals can also be persecuted by gods. We've seen that a lot in some of other myths that we've uh, explored in Greek art. Uh, In the Iliad, for example, Hera and Athena hate Trojans and will routinely try and sabotage Hector. They will often get involved when perhaps they shouldn't as well. Um, Aphrodite protects Paris, even though he's not really worth saving and she didn't really have the right to. So they are an omnipresence in the Iliad. Heroes have epithets that reflect their heroic qualities. Every hero has a cool epithet. For example, quick-thinking Odysseus, horse-taming Hector, swift-footed Achilles. If you don't have an epithet that shows off some sort of skill or fighting prowess, then you're not really a hero. We have more generic epithets that relate more to appearance or where a hero is born. For example, if a hero is called Olympian-born, that means he's Greek. We will often, for women, have epithets that talk about um, our physical appearance, as that's so prized in the Homeric world. Uh, Oxide hero, white-armed. But really, if you're to be a proper hero, you must have an epithet that shows off skill or prowess. So, for example, Odysseus is a decent fighter, but we know that he's really more well-known for being an excellent speaker for being a strategist which is why he's called quick-thinking odysseus paris is a really ex- interesting example here because technically he is a hero he is of noble birth he is mortal he certainly has the favor of aphrodite but all his epithets tend to centre around how ridiculously good-looking he is so he's a bit of an anomaly but mostly heroes have epithets that reflect heroic qualities fighting is an obligation to one's family, ancestors and community. Heroes represent their homeland and it is a matter of honour for the homeland that they should return as heroes. It's definitely a two-way relationship. You want to show your community to the rest of the world but you also need to make sure that your community feels good about you having you as its hero. So it definitely works two ways. This is mostly due to the fact that heroism... Of their ancestors enhances a hero's pedigree it also helps with them achieving teammate and kleos so while they are there to fight for their own glory and as individuals there's also a sense that they are fighting in a wider sense for their community and to honor their ancestors particularly their fathers and grandfathers however as i have said heroes do fight for their own glory and as individuals Achilles has come to Troy to fight and points out he is not there for the sake of Menelaus. Helen means nothing to him. He is there to win himself Cleos. And that's the same for many of the heroes. What the fight is actually about, which is returning Helen to her husband Menelaus, is not really a concern for many of the heroes who are fighting for the Greeks. They are there because this is their opportunity to go and have a really great adventure and gain Cleos and kill some bad guys. However, heroes will often duel against those who have wronged them. It's also a really good way for them to kind of settle old schools. Particularly, Menelaus will fight Paris, the man who stole his wife. Achilles will fight Hector, the man who killed his best friend. And often we will find that they are wounded or killed by another hero. You don't have some sneaky person, assassin style, sneaking up and stabbing you in the back. It's all heroes versus hero. If they die, uh, a hero will usually have enough time to make a speech before they die. Funnily enough, entitled a death speech. Not every hero has a death speech, it tends to be for the more important characters. And they can be often quite sad, they can be prophetic, they can also be quite funny. Uh, Hector is killed by Achilles and he gets struck uh, with a spear through the throat. And yet despite the fact that he has a spear in his throat, the spear has somehow managed to miss his vocal cords and he is able to still have a death speech, which is both odd and very grim at the same time. Heroes are there to fight for their own glory. Now obviously in the case of the Trojan War, a pact was made, so because Helen was such a beautiful woman, that if she was ever stolen or taken, all the heroes would come and fight for her return. So they are obligated to fight, but essentially they are there because they really, really want to gain Cleos. And particularly for Achilles, he has chosen a short life and Cleos over a long life in exile. Heroes should be courageous. Courage is essential to be a hero, and those who don't show it are often chastised because of it. So if you don't show courage, you are called out for it and called weak. In modern stories of heroes, we expect a certain amount of vulnerability for our heroes to actually kind of hold up their hands and go, look, I am really scared, but I'm going to do this anyway. There is no such concept in the heroic world. You never show weakness. You never talk about how scared you are. The best example of heroes not showing courage would be Paris. It's interesting here that Paris is actually the older brother of Hector, not the other way around. Um, And as we start to read the text, you'll understand how strange a relationship those two have. But Hector will take a lot of time when he's talking to his brother going, look, you started this and you don't have the courage to go out there and finish it. You are dishonouring me, yourself and our family and it's not good enough. You cannot just be known for being ridiculously good looking, although to Paris, that is enough. Heroes look impressive. All heroes must have a huge stature and strength. This isn't about handsome, although most of them are. Rather, they should look imposing, like warriors. You should see a Homeric hero walking down the street and go, oh, okay, and move across to the other side of the road. They should look like they are ready to fight and that they would take you in a fight. This extends to their armour, which should also be impressive, And we have a few scenes called arming scenes where Homer describes the warriors dressing for battle. They should have weapons that befit their status. This could be that they are made of a particular material, gold, copper or tin, or because they have been made especially for them. And again, this is one of the ways in which Achilles is special or more special than the fighters around him. He has a spear that only he can lift. He has an immortal talking horse called Xanthus, who we will meet and who will talk. It's awesome. And he has a shield made for him by the gods, specifically Hephaestus. And it's a shield that's so impressive and so big that when other heroes see it, they are literally frozen looking at the shield because it's so impressive and so amazing. Heroes will also make sure that they take care of their bodies and they are in the peak physical strength. What I really like about the Iliad is that we don't actually get much physical description of the heroes. It's almost secondary. We know that they're handsome. We know that they are physically fit. Most of them will be auburn haired. To be auburn haired is to be considered heroic in the ancient world. But apart from that, they should just look impressive and then everything else is more important because it's all about how they fight. In terms of how they fight, heroes show no mercy and are incredibly fierce warriors. Heroes are often described as animals when they fight to show how fierce they are. For example, they will be called lions or bulls, sometimes packs of wolves. Heroes show this determination not just in battle, but also in sporting contests. There is no idea of sportsmanship. Their only objective is to win and get rewards in Kleos. This is where... uh, Games and sporting contests differ from actual battles. In a sporting contest in the ancient world, you will do whatever, including cheat to win. Odysseus famously in the middle of a race prays to Athena for help so he can win. Doesn't care how he does it. That's a little bit different in battle. Uh, In battle, a warrior should show honour by facing his enemy face to face, although we will have instances of that not happening. Um and although he will ask for divine assistance and accept it, it's really about him showing off how great he is. The ultimate objective in the battle is not just to win, but to kill your opponent. And so we are often faced with warriors going, well, oh, perhaps should I, should I not? And then other worries going, what are you doing? Don't be an idiot. You need to kill this person. And I like to think of the Homeric heroes as really nice, friendly serial killers because they all kill lots and lots of people. A formula is often followed when a hero enters battle. Firstly, he will aim for arm for battle. Then he will fight valiantly, killing lots of his enemies, and he will often cause panic among his enemies also. The hero will then call upon the gods, possibly swearing an oath or asking for help. Then there is a duel with a very well-known enemy. After killing said enemy, he will make a speech of triumph, ending with taking the spoils of war, noticeably the fallen warrior's armour. This is a sequence, and we will see it quite a lot. Because we are in an oral poem, we have these formulas repeated. So this is the type of formula we would expect to see when a hero enters battle. It is worth pointing out that when we say make a speech of triumph, It's not always the hero's finest hour. It is expected for heroes to essentially gloat that they've won. They will stand over the body of someone they've killed and go, ha ha ha, in your face, I've just killed you. Which isn't something in the modern world we like to see. Our heroes should have humility. Homeric heroes do not understand the concept. This ties in nicely with a hero is often, but not always, skilled with words. Winning an argument is an important victory over an opponent and appealing to public opinion and gaining support enhances a hero's reputation. This is all about, again, everything being done in public, trying to glean teammate and kleos. Speeches can also be used to frighten the enemy before battle and, as I've said, mocking him in defeat. Boasting after killing your enemy is expected. However, although they show no mercy... Although they will gloat and boast, a hero should still show self-control. While a hero can act rashly in his desire to fight, there are limits which he should observe. For example, Patroclus oversteps his destiny when he tries to take on Hector. And he shouldn't really even have tried, which of course leads to his downfall. Achilles notably loses all restraint in his determination to avenge Patroclus and does not regain his self-control until book 24. This links nicely with the concept of menace and that all-in-consuming anger. The idea is that there should almost be a coldness. You should be calculated when you go into battle. You shouldn't give in to passion or bloodlust. And when heroes do, we often see that being their downfall. So while our heroes are essentially serial killers, they themselves still have honour and will have a code. Although heroes fight to the death and there is no mercy on the battlefields, there is an agreement that the dead hero's body will be returned to his family for proper burial. Burial rights are a cornerstone of this society. Heroes must abide by the burial rights. And this is because, according to Homer, if you are not buried properly, you don't get to cross over the river Styx and really go into the underworld and have an afterlife. If you are not buried, your soul is left to wither in agony and be tormented. Sometimes, according to some religions, for a 100 years, in others for eternity, until you're buried properly. And so every hero is obsessed with going, Okay, if I die you bring me back to my family, it's expected. So you can kill it, you can strip it, but you must give it back. Sometimes we will see heroes take a body and then ransom it back with the idea that the family will pay for the body to be returned. But in all instances, the body will be returned so it can be properly buried. Heroes abide by this because it is a law of Zeus And generally, they do tend to abide by Zeus's rules and many other gods and goddesses rules, as well as Xenia. Xenia is another founding concept of this society. And the best example we will see is in the historic guest friendship between Diomedes and Glaucus in Book 6. One of the reasons that Achilles is such an interesting three-dimensional character is because although he has shown honour, He gets so consumed in his grief and anger that he refuses to give Hector's body back to his people. And that's a really big arc for him as he kind of has this kind of realisation that he's taken it too far. However, a mark of civilised behaviour is communal eating, which I think is really interesting and isn't something we really have in this modern society. Communal eating is a mark of civilised behaviour, as in you will sit down with your comrades or fellow heroes and share a meal. It is often associated with gods and sacrifices and the laws of hospitality, which, as I've said, are sacred to Zeus. Another key part of civilised behaviour is to be clean. Heroes will bathe often to make sure that they are not only in peak physical condition, but they are almost tidy, clean, as a kind of respect that they show to their bodies. So we think of civilised behaviour as kind of having manners, kind of saying please and thank you. Civilised behaviour in the Homeric world is eating together and being clean. The last one that they're going to talk about is probably my favourite. The idea that showing emotion is heroic. The greater the hero, the greater the capacity for feeling powerful emotions. Achilles is not diminished by his extreme grief at the death of Patroclus and heroes, Cry Freely and Frequently. Literally, Achilles will cry in almost every book we read in the Iliad. And we look at that and go, mm, should Should a hero be doing that? And actually, in the ancient times, an ancient audience would go, yes, yes, he should. Because you are a hero, you are larger than life and everything is done in public. So why would your grief be any different? We are taught to keep our grief private and separate And in the ancient world, that's not how it is. It's very physical. For example, we will see heroes pour dirt over themselves. We call it befouling yourself so their outsides match how they feel on the inside. You might beat your chest to the point where you bruise yourself. You rip your own hair. Um, Women will scratch themselves on their face, leaving claw marks to show how much pain they're in physically as well as emotionally. And that's something that all heroes do. They all have massive highs and massive lows because they are these big characters and everything is done in public. So we might think of it as slightly strange, but in the ancient world, emotion is a key part of who you are as a hero. Thank you very much for listening. Um, If you require any more information, please go to booklet one. Otherwise, thank you for listening.